What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Producers Podcast. You are listening to the guy who drives you home every day from 2 to 6 with Derek and D-Mac. It's KJ, the man who makes all of that happen behind the scenes. And then we got the all-talented, all-world. You hear him on the weekends. You hear him sometimes during the week. But ultimately, he's the man who makes a lot of the little things happen that you don't see here at this station. A man by the name of Michael Spelling. Michael, what's up, man? How's it going, KJ? Man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Well, first off, man, I'm glad to have you join us. You know, you just joined us here in the, in, in the most recent week or so. You know, we're we're looking to bring on more producers because I know, you know, as we continue to expand this thing, you know, we want to make sure that we bring the best people on that's going to give us the best content. And there's no doubt in my mind you're going to bring that, bro. So with that being said, man, how's everything been? It's been going good, but you set some really high expectations, so I don't I feel the pressure now. Well, it's all right. You know, at the end of the day, man, that's what this podcast is all about. We're going to set unrealistic expectations and then hope we can not let the people down. Just, just hope I don't. <laughs> just hope <laughs> no. I don't go out there and be like the Broncos' offense. So. Oh, we'll get into those guys in just a second. But what I do want to say is, at the time that this is being recorded, the Broncos have officially lost to the Indianapolis Colts, and so something spurred from that that kind of intrigued my mind, and it kind of made me feel that you know Broncos country, they're they're in a weird place right now. You know, it's not that they haven't been in years past, but this time it feels a little different. And I think it has to do with the expectations on the Broncos coming into this year compared to years past. In years past you were just swimming. You hope that you get something out of nothing. Uh hope that you, you know, best case scenario, maybe you sneak into the playoffs. But this year in some shape, form or fashion, even with injuries, you still kinda expect this team to kind of go a little bit so Michael I'll kind of toss it over to you man and I'll, I'll ask you you know first and foremost I am from Mississippi for those who don't know and so you know with me just coming to Colorado in 2019 I'm still playing catch up on a lot of the history of the Broncos and, and, and a lot of Denver sports but Michael you've been here your entire life man and I just first off want to talk to you about what has it been like being a Broncos fan over the years and what has the transition been like? How has it felt? What ultimately is Broncos country feeling right now compared to years past? Right now, it's just huge question marks all over the place. You don't know what this team is going to come out and look like. In the 90s, it was John Elway, you know, an offense that you didn't have to worry about. You know, you had good receivers. You had a Hall of Famer in Terrell Davis in the backfield. You had a great offensive line. The defense was was always, you know, keeping the offense in games, much like now. But the the offense isn't paying that same respect back. And then, you know, Elway retires. A few down years here and there. They thought, you know, Brian Greasy was going to be the the mecca of backup quarterbacks. A lot of fans were mad that they went with Brian Greasy, who was a third-string quarterback. This is back when they dressed three quarterbacks. He was a third-string quarterback behind Elway, obviously, and Bubby Brister in the second of two Super Bowl years. And then Elway retires. They they choose Brian Greasy over Brister. The fan base was kind of like, eh. And a couple down years, you know, Jake Plummer comes in. They get to an AFC championship, and he goes away. Mike Shanahan's like, oh, we're going to go with the young buck and Jay Cutler. Mm. We all know Jay Cutler smoking cigarettes on the sideline. <laughs> and he he ends up going to a couple different teams, you know, a lot of years on the Bears. Yeah, after that, Tebow shows up. Right, right. And you kind of said, you know, maybe they'll get lucky and get into the playoffs. 
they did back into the playoffs 2011 on the you know that that pass to Demarius Thomas. Oh, as a Steelers fan, it still hurts to this day, man. Yeah, and then all of a sudden the Colts, who we don't like right now, <laughs> right? They are no longer going to keep Peyton Manning, and I don't know how the Broncos get tied to these these big name quarterbacks. And time and couple, time again. Yeah, man. it's just we. I don't know if it's just because Elway was one in his own right, and you know, obviously being the GM at the time. He's like, we got to go after, we got to go after Peyton Manning. We were talking about this. The expectations were high with Peyton Manning, but I, he he came in with a built-in excuse, and I'm not saying he was going to ever use that excuse. Anybody was going to use that excuse. He had what four neck surgeries? Yeah. I mean, this is months months of not even being able to grip a football to throw it because of his nerve system. So he had a built-in excuse coming. If they struggled, fine. You know, his first year here in 2012, two and three. That's where the Broncos sit right now. Right. Obviously, three years after that, two Super Bowl appearances, one loss to Russell Wilson, <laughs> and then capped it off with the Super Bowl. And that was a Super Bowl where, and a season where we saw a backup quarterback again. If right. it wasn't for Brock Osweiler, who knows what would have happened. But Peyton came in, did what he could. The defense was outstanding. Right. New, new co-host Derek Wolf was on that. On that defense, Peyton Manning retires, rides off into the sunset. We got the Trevor Simeons of the world, Paxton Lynch's of the world, Case Keesum's of the world. Keesum. <laughs> the in his prime Joe Flacco. They try to bring back Scott. Brock Eisweiler. It was just an up and down roller coaster going through that for the last five, six years. And then all of a sudden, Russell Wilson somehow becomes available. At the same time, they're trying to get Aaron Rodgers on this team. Again, how do, how are they always tied to these big name quarterbacks? Like, <laughs> right? Like, how, where did Aaron Rodgers' name even come from? Well, it's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's definitely been something that's been, I guess, part of the Broncos' legacy for some time now. And I think, you know, the expectation of of now the Broncos being able to, you know, within a short window, kind of bounce back even through some very weird times I think the Broncos came to quickly understand that at the end of the day in order for this fan base to be properly appeased we have to continue to keep the expectations of winning going within the organization as well as outside of the organization where it can get a little tricky sometimes is when you look at the history of the Broncos and you look at everything that they've accomplished over the years, you can look at their success even before John Elway and and lead it back to the fact that even before Pat Bowling, before Elway, before all of that, that these guys were trying to be one of the best organizations in NFL history, let alone sports. That has created a world where the bar has been set so high consistently that for people to limbo under this little bar that can barely be raised is starting to feel as impossible as it is in real life when you actually limbo under a bar that is very low. The reason Broncos country feels so passionate about this team and about the way that they go about their business is because they know at the end of the day, Broncos country just wants the best for this team. Looking at it from the outside in, I can un understand why all of the people from a national perspective look at this team and like, what in the heck is going on here? Because when you think about all of the pieces that were pulled and all of the offseason, you know, hype that they got is like, you know, you expected this team to be a little farther along. And I like Zach Bach because he always says this. 
to tell fans how to fan, I think you get into a weird, weird territory because now you're telling me that I shouldn't have the expectations that I have for this team. If you expect the team to really be good and they have done the work to be good, then why not expect greatness from them? Exactly. They were talking about when, when Zach said that they were talking about a Tim Patrick tweet trying to pull it up here, but you know, paraphrasing, he says, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. You're your true colors. Right. Are you a fan of the booing? Like, do you do you mind the booing? Are you indifferent? Oh, man. You know what? I am in fan of the booing. I think it needs to keep players honest. I think it, it, it needs to put a certain sense of urgency on the players. As like, if I want to get these boos out of my ear, if I want to get them out of my head, if I don't want to dream about these boos that I'm hearing at night, then I need to do something on the field to change the product that is happening right now. And I know a lot of people say, oh, man, it's easier said than done. But I'm like, a lot of things in life is easier said than done. At some point, you got to put the you, you got to put your one foot in front of the other and just go. There's a lot of confusion that comes with that mantra because when it comes to booze, obviously booze don't come because people just want to boo. They obviously boo because there's a reason. If Broncos country sees a reason, they're going to boo. They're a very passionate fan base, one of the most passionate in all of America, team sports, period. When you look at how they got to this place, it can be a little confusing depending on who you talk to I don't think it should be as confusing as people are making it out to be because Broncos country has a reason to boo and they should boo. I don't know if there's a probably a bunch of players that are going to tell you I don't even hear I don't even hear the boos I don't hear the crowd I don't hear the cheers because they're so focused on their craft that they're so pumped up for the game maybe they do for Seattle for example you know the home the home crowd is huge in Seattle. Here's the here's the tweet from Tim Patrick by the way none of this will be forgotten make sure y'all keep showing your true colors. It's funny you say that because I actually retweeted this on the day that he tweeted that out. And it's it's crazy with Tim Patrick saying that because even Tim Patrick knows that it won't always be this way. Well, and that's what a lot of the press conferences were even after the game. Like, you know, wait till we click, wait till we hit our hit our marks, wait till we, you know, we're up to speed. And that's where the a lot of that's where the, the I think a lot of the impatience from fans come from. John Elway, boom, you know, went to five Super Bowls, won two. Right. Peyton Manning, boom, went to two Super Bowls, won one. It was rocky when Elway started. It was rocky when Peyton Manning started. And it's rocky now. You know, the, the, the term bandwagon fan always comes up when you're not sure. A lot of people say, man, get off, get off the bandwagon. You know, if you love us when we're 0-3, you better not, you better not love us when we're 13-3 and or something like that. Right. The, the, you know, those phrases that always come up. Yeah. You know, if you're not with us now, don't be with us in a month or two. Right. When we do hit our stride. So, yeah, I, this fan base is, is so impatient. I see a lot of tweets, a lot of friends coming up and say, people from out of state say, man, this fan base is, is spoiled. And Kirk Herbstreet said that on the broadcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He said this fan base is spoiled. You know, they're used to competing for championships almost every year. And he's not wrong. Right. And yeah, it's just an impatient fan base. I'll, I haven't, KJ, I haven't been to a Broncos game since the AFC championship game in 2015. The game, <sighs> oh, the game, oh, wow. The game they beat the Patriots to go to Super Bowl 50. I have not been to a game. So is it six, seven years now? Yeah. I have not been to a game. And the game before that was a 2012 Ravens game. The old Raheem the Dream Moore game <laughs> where Jacoby Cho- Jacoby Jones, speaking of Flacco, caught that long bomb and it was like negative eight degrees that game. I have turned into a fair weather fan. Mm. If it's under 50, I, I got better seats at home. 
Oh, okay, okay. I, I I get that. Unless somebody hands me a free ticket, I'll go. Hey, um, trust me, I'm, I'm the same way, you know. I mean, because, you know, so my biggest thing is even beyond that, man, and I'll, I'll kind of put myself out here a little bit, I've never been to an NFL game live, ever. And so, you know, I definitely look forward to going with Russell Wilson here. I just need to find a game worth going to. I know they're going to. two years. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, give it some time. I mean, I don't have to rush. At the end of the day, he's not going anywhere for at least the next four to five, bare minimum. So taking that into consideration, I mean, I want to go back to something you talked about just a second ago. You talked about Kirk Hermstreet and and Al Michaels on the broadcast talking about the fans. Fans, another thing that they kind of brought up on the broadcast, you you saw it if you watched the game on TV, is Broncos country is 9-9 nine nine, heading into overtime, and they're leaving. They're leaving. They're 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 getting out of there. I I, I summed it up best um, because I, I was kind of chopping it up with some guys about it during the game. I summed it up this way. I said it's crazy how we've gotten to a point where people would rather leave, go home, get a stiff drink, and get ready for work the next day instead of staying at the Broncos game to see if they will potentially win. You know what's funny about that is me and my brother went to a game. And it was the Bears were in town, and I, I, I'm spacing on the running back. But my whole family's from Chicago, so we try to catch certain games when Chicago teams are out here. Right. And it was a back and forth game, back and forth game. We're like, screw it, we're leaving. I don't know what day. I honestly can't remember the day. It was probably maybe a sun. It was night. Could have been a Sunday night game. Could have been a Monday night game. I don't remember. But our, <laughs> we left, and the Bears running back stepped out of bounds, and maybe, maybe that can jog some memory but he stepped out of bounds somehow the broncos got the ball back went down and scored and we had left before that happened and of course like a bunch of losers we had to hear about it on the radio <laughs> because we left the game early and i wanted to leave the game i wasn't there i was here but you know <laughs> <laughs> you're right now i get i get what you're laying down though. I, I don't know would you have left after watching that <laughs> offense struggle so much and I think I think Dmag mentioned it earlier this earlier today on the drive. He said, you know, technically it's still exciting nine nine heading into overtime, but a bunch of people are leaving. Whether they have to get up early for work, whether they have to get their kids ready to bed, or, or pick up kids for at the babysitter because it's Thursday nights. Whatever the case may be, are you staying despite what you saw leading up going into overtime? Oh man! So if it's me, I am going to stay for a different reason. And it has nothing to do with the game per se. I think a lot of it has to do for me with the fact that, first off, being at a game is an experience. And I think sometimes you can take it for granted when you are either used to a certain style within a particular product or you are used to kind of going through the motions to say, hey, if they win, I got you. If they lose, then it's whatever. It all depends on how you embrace fandom. Right. Because you just kind of talked about how you transition into being a fair weather fan. If it's up to me, I am going to stay because I am going to stay for the experience. Win, lose or draw. I think being able to embrace that is is, is important and to take advantage of it is super important. You know, I've only been in media, actual media for like a little over two years. And one thing that I've come to notice is it's so easy to take all of this for granted when you have access to it. But what happens when you don't have access to this? When you look at it from a fan perspective, they have to most of the time spend their hard earned money to go see a game or to, you know, experience it in some shape, form or fashion. And I think for me, where it comes down to is I am 
still straddling the fence of sometimes I have to spend my own money and then sometimes I am very fortunate and favored to be able to have media privilege. So I can't ever take that experience for granted. I just can't do it. I don't know how many people, you know, struggle with that decision. Like, oh, here's some uh, <laughs> here's some tickets to a uh, Broncos preseason game against the Cleveland Browns. By the way, no starters are playing in that game. You know, I, I, I've taken free preseason game tickets before and it's fine it was club level you get to sit inside enjoy some some sub sandwiches yeah but yeah it's just it's just so hard for me like you said to spend spend money on on tickets go sit in a game in december unless walmart builds a stadium in which you can you know get a get a hot dog a coke a set of tires some fishing gear at walmart stadium (laughs) unless that happens with a retractable roof i don't know if you'll catch me at a broncos game anytime soon man it's it's I don't know. Football is the one sport where I just I just enjoy watching it at home more than I like going to the game. Yeah, it's an experience. You know, if I had media credentials, uh, free tickets, obviously I put that in a different category. That's a whole that's a whole other thing. But if I'm going to spend money, honestly, I'd rather order like 50 wings, sit on the comfort of my of my couch, honestly. So, and really quickly before before we move on, it was Marion Barber. And this was two thousand. Mm, okay. this, this was two thousand eleven. So I was trying to. I was, I was thinking in my head. I was like, was it Forte or Barber? I didn't want to say the wrong name, though. So this was two thousand eleven, where the likes of Tim Tebow replaced Kyle Orton at starting quarterback. Jay Cutler was hurt. Caleb Haney was the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, mm. Marion Barber. All he had to do was stay in bounds. He ran out of bounds, and it stopped the clock. Gave Broncos a chance. And of course, it was one of Tebow's one of his patented comebacks that year so it was the marion barber it's called the infamous marion barber game so you just have to type that in or probably just type in marion barber and that game will show up because i think that's what he's most known for oh yeah no for sure and i mean while we own it man you know rp or marion barber you know he um he definitely was a was a solid running back and uh you know i hate that that's one of the games that you know we have to remember him for but you know at the end of the day he was a solid running back and so you know i'll i'll always have respect for him Taking that into consideration, kind of take a few minutes here and kind of dig a little deeper. We talk about fandom being tied to players more than organizations, and I think that has definitely become a thing here within the last, you know, I won't won't say that. I'll probably say within the last 25 years. Kobe Bryant and LeBron James, I think, have done a masterful job of that as far as the NBA is concerned, as far as kind of transitioning that to being your favorite player. I know a lot of people probably throw, like, Allen Iverson in there as well, because I think he was very liked during the early 2000s. And so how does that transition to football? Well, oftentimes, a lot of players, you either follow a your favorite quarterback or you follow your favorite receiver or you follow your favorite, you know, running back or whatever the case may be. And sometimes you may kind of lynch on. And I think that is kind of transition how fandom is looked at nowadays, because it's if you don't have something that attaches me to you, why in the world would I stay attached to you? Because people feel that they have that freedom when it comes down to figuring out why you should or shouldn't root for your local team. Then I think that's kind of where the waters get a little murky because it's, well, how much are you a fan? Should you be considered a fan? Ultimately, should you be considered a fan based off of the team or should you be considered a fan awful players or should it be both I mean how do you look at that well and I think what's a lo- what's changed a lot of that in football too is fantasy football yes you know you're watching and and fantasy all sports now especially like the one day the one day fantasy sites where you draft 
you know you have a different person you draft it you win that day or whatever right you're at you're at home or whatever and you're, you're watching some random game between the dolphins and 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 the seahawks and you know significant other or whatever says why are you watching this game you oh i got three players in this game exactly <laughs> So that changes a lot of it. Uh, for me personally, yeah, I used to, I follow very closely Denver sports, you know, Chicago sports when I can, you know, but I had, before even Peyton came here, I had a Peyton Manning Colts jersey. I had an Eli Manning Giants jersey. Could care less about either of those teams. Exactly. But I like the Mannings. I had a Chad Ochocinco well, I, it was Chad Johnson at the time. I had his Bengals jersey. Not only did I like Chad Johnson, but the Bengals jerseys are probably one of the coolest ones in the NFL. So I was like, I like I like the way that looks. Right. I had a Larry Fitzgerald Cardinals jersey, but the black ones, the black ones that they used to wear. I was a fan of just random random players around the league. That's how I looked at it. I was, I'm going to just get the jersey of who I like, and I'm still going to follow my team. So I, I think it's a little bit different for everyone, but I think fantasy football really has especially now fantasy football is just taking over five years ago. We wouldn't be caught dead playing. You know, this, this <laughs> segment is brought to you by, you know, enter betting, betting site here. Right. And now you can't get away from it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I mean, you hit on something there. I mean, between fantasy and gambling, I think it has changed the trajectory of sports and fandom pretty much forever and ever. And, you know, it's funny you say that because, you know, I was having a conversation with some guys, not too long ago, uh, in, in regards to a few days ago, should I say, about the fact that a lot of times we talk about where is where is radio going? You know, where is sports going? Where is it headed? And a lot of it is going to be built around where's your knowledge? Where is your understanding of fantasy footballing? Because those are going to be one, two, probably gambling to be one fantasy, two, in regards to the things that will drive the future of sports is the fact that your favorite player is on your favorite team or did he win you some money or whatever the case may be, how much of that drives who you are and why you believe in them and why you want to root for them. That's, that's, that's a question I feel like will change over time. I don't think there's one consistent answer, but I think the answer for now is going to be that the fans are going to ride with who they want to ride with because that's the style of fandom today i don't think it will ever go back to you pick a team and you stick with them for the next 50 years i don't think i don't think that's a thing i mean i would love to say that that's a thing but there's too much parody now for people to feel like they have to stick to one or the other it's funny because for example if you're watching the broncos game against the colts say jonathan taylor was playing you know the colts were driving downfield you're like well if anyone's gonna score i hope it's taylor because of your fantasy team even though they're playing your team, you don't want Broncos to lose, obviously. I find myself saying that all the time. Well, if they're going to score, let this guy score so I get points and win. So I find myself doing doing that a lot. And what I think has changed a lot of people maybe not tuning in, maybe not following, say, five, ten years ago, is cell, I mean, the upgrades on cell phones. You get an alert on your phone, you know, saying top of the third inning, Rockies are down 10 nothing. All right, cool, I don't got to watch it. I don't got to tune in. Five, ten years ago, you have to get the remote go to channel 26 or whatever you know the the sports net was on and check the score or in our case you have to turn the dial yeah <laughs> back when i walked 15 miles through the snow uphill to get to school none of that happened but <laughs> that's all i was about to say you want to get into that story <laughs> but yeah i mean i think i think the updates that we get on our phone has changed a lot of that because you're like same fantasy you get a you get a fantasy alert all right cool i don't have to tune in i'm you know i'm doing something else right now i got my phone now nfl plus on your phone you got live games on your phone you don't got to do much of anything check in whatever red zone 
Red Zone has changed a lot of how people watch football. You just turn Red Zone, I don't got to watch a full game. I just got to watch people in the Red Zone. So a lot of these, I guess, niches for people, a lot of these things where they can just go to one corner of the internet and not have to worry about turning on a TV anymore, not having to look at a news. Obviously, newspaper are very obsolete now, but I remember going through the newspaper and, and checking the stats and stuff like that. All that's gone away. So fandom has changed not only like you were talking about, but technology and and everything has changed the way a lot of people fan. Like Zach said, uh, fandom has become electronic and technology-based that, sure, it's made it easier, but it's changed the way a lot of people, I think, digest sports now, how they go about checking stats, checking their teams, whatever. So I think that's that – I know it's changed my my view on how I do things. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I, I definitely look at fandom way differently now than I have the last 10, 15, 20 years. Will we ever go back to that? Absolutely not. I think technology has become too advanced, and I think we are in a place where people have access to things too quickly, too much – Honestly, you can get information, not just at the drop of a hat, but you can get the information that you want pretty much from anybody. If you just search Twitter long enough, somebody's going to put out the information that you want. I was going to say someone tweets something and then they retract it and you missed it, but it's already on every other social media site because still a million people saw it within that second. Even though he deleted it seconds after he posted it, already a million people are have already took a screenshot because it was deleted. It, it's just crazy to me how people are so focused on, on on what people say. Also, I mean, it's it's just it's changed the game for sure. At the end of the day, you know, to kind of bring this thing back full circle, Twitter has changed the game in a way that <laughs> I don't think we ever saw coming. I mean, Facebook was its own entity, but Twitter, once it kind of took on the identity that it is now, I think it made people aware that this is a way that we can get out not just information quickly but I can get out information in a way that works best for me like I teased a couple of seconds ago to bring this thing back full circle you know Michael you talked about earlier how you know the Broncos under Peyton Manning they got off to a two and three start and then they kind of took off and then John Elway's tenure it wasn't perfect you know the first few years they had to kind of go through some growing pains but you know they experienced their success at some point down the road and I think you've just got to be willing to understand that sometimes in life our greatest success doesn't come when we want it but it comes right when we need it and it's to teach us and to help us to understand that we're going to get stronger and we're going to get better over time but even with the components that we have right now whether they're there for the long haul or they're there for right now you've got to embrace the moment that comes with fandom because you won't get this moment ever again and if you take it for granted you'll look back on this and be like gosh man I remember those days when they weren't that good and I took it for granted I wish I would have you know, been a little bit more patient and a little bit more understanding. It's not to say that this team will go on to win a Super Bowl, but what if they do? We don't know. We can't see the future. Take your fandom a little bit more serious, even though I'm technically not supposed to be telling you how to fan. Take, take your fandom a little bit more serious because I believe that in the long run, the the fruits of the labor that are being burdened right now, I think will be produced in great harvest later you just got to kind of see it through. And how many people do you think after Super Bowl 48 in the 43 to 8 loss to the Russell Wilson led Seattle, I almost said Supersonics, the Seattle Seahawks, how many people were like, oh, like they are now? Derek Wolf was saying on the drive, he said, as soon as that football was snapped over Peyton's head, he was like, it's over. Yeah. I said the exact same thing watching it at a friend's house. As mm. soon as I saw that, I left at halftime. I left my friend's house at halftime, didn't turn it back on. Wow. 
Uh, do, you think, do, do, you, do you call that being a bad fan? Is it a bad fan or are you just, I guess, in your own... I, I, I viewed it as being realistic. They're not coming back from this. This is bad. Seattle's way better. And you just mentioned John Elway's tenure. Look at what he did after that Super Bowl. Exactly. I mean, he built one of the best defenses in NFL history after that Super Bowl. Man, it, it, it's so hard because I know in a moment... And sometimes all we have is the ability to live in a moment. But I think sometimes the moment can be so frustrating that it, it, it even scares you from the idea that things could get better. You want to see things get better right away. But in reality, most things in life take time. And I think when it comes to the way that we fan, not just as media members, but just as humans, period, we've created such a microwave society that we have psychologically psyched ourselves out of the fact that things do take time. Sometimes you got to actually cook a real meal and put it in the oven. All right. And so sometimes when you forget that, it's a lot easier to just say, I am going to give up than to actually stick in there and figure out a way to overcome the fact that they're bad and say, you know, at the end of the day, I've endured this, but I know that we're going to get better. And there's going to be a certain uniqueness. There's going to be a certain, you know, love that comes from your ability to hang in there through the good and the bad. I'm not telling you that it is easy, but I'm also not telling you that it should be easy because anything in life worth having should be earned and it should be worked for. And the Broncos are working towards that right now. It's just taking time. KJ, honestly, one of my favorite sports to watch, listen to, broadcast is baseball. <laughs> we talk about fandom. I don't. I I actually wrote this on DenverFan.com about a year ago, and it was it was saying how the Rockies have no diehard fans, and it, it was around the time where there are talks of getting rid of Trevor Story, letting him walk. They they eventually let him walk, and this was around the same time that Arenado was traded. I bet you can go up to about 80% of fans. I'm, I'm, you can't see it, people, but I'm throwing up air quotes. Fans of the Rockies who probably couldn't even tell you who Trevor Story is right now. And we're only about, we're a full season removed of letting Trevor Story walk. We're about a year and a half removed from Nolan Arenado being traded. I bet you can go up to any fan at Coors Field on their cell phone and the party deck and probably could not even tell you who Trevor Story is. Couldn't even tell you who Nolan Arenado plays for now. It, it, it's just so hard for me as a true passionate seam head to to get over that. And and it's it's it sucks because I went to Wrigley Field about a month ago, a month and a half ago, and you know how they have the net around for foul balls. They it only goes to about maybe a little bit past the first baseline and the third baseline to protect fans from foul balls. You go to Coors Field, that net is almost wrapped around the entire stadium because. People don't go there to watch baseball. They go there to, you know, drink, talk to their friends, be on their cell phones. I'm the nerd, KJ, that's filling out the program. People turn to me every time they see me filling out a program and they say, hey, what's the score? Seriously, bro, there's a there's a scoreboard right there. And what happened that last play? That's a, that's a type of find out. They got rid of programs, essentially. It's all, there you go, technology. All the programs now, all their Rockies magazine, everything is online. That's just another example how fandom has changed because of certain things. It sucks, man. It sucks going to, to a baseball game where people just aren't paying attention. I went to a Dodgers game a couple months ago in Dodger Stadium. I mean, that place was electric. The pitcher threw a strike, KJ. That place went nuts. Why? Because the Dodgers are good. 
So it, it it's it's crazy to go to each two different cities that aren't Denver and see what fans are doing and how excited fans are because yeah, I get it. LA is a big market. They're what first, second, mar- biggest market in sports. So I get it. But still, just the fan. It, it's cool to see the fandom in different cities and how it it's different from what we're used to here. Yeah, and so to your point, fandom does look different coast to coast and around the world. Not to steal Kevin Harlan's tease when he... This guy is drunk. (laughs) But, you know, honestly, it is different. And it's become so subjective that I feel like everybody has a different opinion of what fandom should be. Is that the way it should be? I don't know. But that's the way it is. And because that's where we are right now, I don't see a world where we'll ever go back. That's unfortunate. But in the same breath, be interesting to see how this transition of fandom changes over time, because I am very bothered by people who are impatient. I understand why, because you just want success at the end of the day. That's what you want in success. But what is worth that's always going to be my biggest thing. If you're a fan of any team, no matter where you are, all I ask is that you just don't lose sight of what matters most. And one more thing, I know we're running out of time. I just showed you that that Photoshop job done. I mean, I, I can't tell you if it's a fan or a hater of Russell Wilson or the Broncos, whatever. <laughs> they have Russell Wilson, you know, cocked back, ready to throw a pass. He's got his helmet on backwards. Basically oh saying, basically, you know, those memes that are like, screw it, something down there somewhere. Right. And just chucks the ball. There's another one that I just showed you. You know, obviously Russell Wilson's slogan is let's ride now. There's another one with a bag over his head and it says let's hide. I mean, people are taking the time, KJ, to sit in front of their computers and making this up. And now it's spreading like wildfire. It's crazy. There was another one I saw yesterday, a meme of Matt Ryan. And the quote was, I'm trying to give it back to you. And, and, and <laughs> on the bottom, on the bottom, it says it was Russell Wilson say, nah, fam, you can have it. Oh, I mean, people take the time to do that stuff. I want to learn how to make memes. I still, I still don't, I, I still don't know how to do it. I mean, that's spread, that stuff spread. People take their time, whether they're a hater, a fan, and maybe this is a different category of fandom or hate them or whatever, but it's just crazy to me how that, how that stuff spreads and right at our fingertips. That's kind of where you got to understand the difference between a fan and a troll because there's a, the lines have become so blurred between the two because the fans have become so enraged by the good and the bad that sometimes they kind of let their fandom, you know, lead them the wrong way, but that's okay. You know, cause at the end of the day, no fan is perfect. What I will say is, whether you're a Broncos fan or whether you're a fan of some other team here in America, I would just say that you have to remember that there's a process and a journey to anything. Nothing great is going to be built overnight. You have to make sure you have the right ingredients in place to make sure that what you're building is what you want long-term. And that's what the Broncos are looking at. They're looking at a long-term picture because they were looking at the short term. They probably would have went on and hired Dan Quinn as their head coach. And then they probably would have just gotten a great offensive mind and just let him run the entire offense. And then just kind of let Dan Quinn run the defense. And then from there, they probably would have went absolutely cash crazy and spent money to get more weapons and probably went with the Rams mantra of screw those picks and just kind of go all in if they really wanted to. But they understand that's not a long-term plan that is successful. For every fan or every supporter or every listener of this podcast, I 
Think about how you allow what you believe and what you think in your heart to impact the way that you view your team because they need your support. And it's going to be up to you to love them through the good and the bad because sometimes it rains and sometimes the sun shines. But guess what? Through it all, you still got to keep pressing. The seasons change. Life changes. Things change. And you have to be willing to adapt. And you have to also recognize that even when things on the surface don't look like what they could be or what they should be, you have to know that it will ultimately grow into what it will be in due time. You have to trust the people that's in charge. George Payton has done a great job thus far. I know a lot of people question his coaching hire. That will take time to figure out whether that was right or wrong. But all of his other moves have been great. The ownership is great. The president is great. A lot of stuff that's going on with the Broncos, the way that they carry themselves are great. They have a great quarterback. They have a lot of injuries at the time that we're recording this podcast. And I think they're probably only going to have more as the season goes along. But you have to remember that nothing great is built overnight. And I don't want to use a whole bunch of cliches, but I do want people to understand that your fandom should not be attached to how you feel right now, but your fandom should be attached to what the end goal should be for this team, and that's to win a championship, whether that's this year or five years down the road. Yeah, and it, it sucks trying to keep that patience, keep that belief alive. So I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting as time goes on. Like you said, more injuries could pile up, two more guys out for the season. Trust me, I probably have the least amount of patience when it comes to other things than, than anyone I know when it comes to looking at sports, not only through a fan's eyes or a fan's perspective, but through, sure, call it media, call it whatever you want, a realist, you still got to have patience. Just try to be patient. Yeah, no, Mike, you're, you're absolutely right. And ups, downs, and everything in between is what comes with being a fan. You can't ever forget that. So with that being said, I hope that we said something that made you laugh. I hope that we also said something that made you think about your fandom today. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We do this for you guys to kind of give you guys some insight to how we feel and some things that's going on behind the scenes. So you get a little bit of both. And uh, Michael, I want to first off, thank you for joining me. It's, it's been great having you. Yeah, it was fun. So Absolutely, man. Make sure Tuesdays and Thursdays on DenverFan.com. That's what I'm saying. That's the place to be because they're going to be uploaded at 12 p.m. every Tuesday and Thursday. Don't forget it. Turn your notifications on. Download the app if you have to. Run the ball. Run the ball. <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting ready to get up out of here, man. But thank you guys so much and catch us on the next episode of the Producers Podcast. Peace.